the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Our first guest on today's Big Blend Radio Champagne Sunday show is author Ken Dortzbach, and he's joining us to talk about his new romantic comedy. It's called Finding Hemingway. And uh, this is where he sends his main character on a life-changing adventure. His main character is Callie, Callie McGraw. I don't know if she's a relation to Phil McGraw, but anyway, Callie goes on a life-changing adventure (laughs) after she receives a mysterious phone call from Ernest Hemingway himself. Okay, so we know he's not alive, but apparently he can a call her. Rum. Yeah, so he gets her to go to Spain, you know, for six months. And um, anyway, so we've got Ken joining us, so he can tell us more about the story. And the book is coming out July 7th, so one month from today. But you can pre-order it now. You can do it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. But I also encourage you to go to his website, watch the trailer, so it's KenDortzbach.com, and that's Ken, D-O-R-T-Z-B-A-C-H. So KenDortzbach.com. I hope I even said that correctly. Ken, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lisa and Nancy. It's great to be here, and you said my name perfectly, so that was that was wonderful. Oh. That was wonderful. Cool. <laughs> are you related to anybody in the candy empire? <laughs> what? No, although I wish I were. But, yeah, but, that would but, come in handy. <laughs> That, that would come in handy, or, or the Champagne Empire today, I guess, with the Champagne Toast. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But, well, yeah, Champagne yeah. Toast to you and your book, yeah. because I know that this is, you say it's, it's technically your first novel, but you've also dabbled in other works as well, a thriller at some yes. point. So this, I'm interested in that, uh. because going from thriller to a romantic comedy is interesting, but Champagne Toast to you on uh, finding Hemingway. Did you find him? <laughs> Don't tell. Um, but... What is your toast? We might as well get started with that. Well, my toast, um, when I was writing my book, I was constantly reminded of how big a world it is out there, um, but we all have our small corners of it. So I want to toast to an idea that uh, during these uh, challenging times, I want to toast to the idea of making our small corners of the world just a little bit better every day. Hmm. Cool. I like that. I like that. And eventually it'll all run together because we're all connected. I vote for Halle. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Finding Hemingway, uh, it's the first book I've published, but not the first one I tried to write. You know, nothing's ever easy. And the first book I tried to write was a thriller, but uh, it was, I refer to it as the thriller that wasn't thrilling. It it wasn't very good. (laughs) And I'm still apologizing to people who I made read the book. Um, so I decided for my second book to go in a completely different direction. So I decided to write a book about uh, personal growth and discovery. And I thought that the story uh, just worked better if the main character was a woman. Um, so I jumped into it and went farther and farther. And uh, I hadn't really thought about what genre it was. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I realized, okay, this is a 
women's fiction book, but I just loved the story. I loved the direction. So I figured at a certain point, you just have to own it. So I kept going and I, I loved how the, how the story worked out. Hmm. I, I love it. I'm reading it right now. And um, I have to tell you, it is a super fun read and it makes you think. And I love Callie because she is a spitfire and I just, and I know that you've got a background in law. So, you know, reading her and how she like, calculates everything she's you know she's really so she's smart right but I love the story and I immediately feel like it's very visual it's very it appeals to different senses you know sensory and I feel like this already should be a movie like immediately like, <laughs> oh, cool like, yeah well mm-hmm. thank you she uh, Callie is uh she's a great hero heroine she um she leans in in her professional life um, and is definitely an A-type personality, but um, she's still learning how to open up in relationships, and that's sort of um, that's sort of her Achilles' heel. So during the course of the story, she learns how to open up and I guess lean with her lean with her heel and her heart, um, and uh, learn how to make herself a little bit vulnerable in relationships. Um, mm. in, in one point of the story. She uh, talks about how often people want the power to fly, but being a lawyer, she often reads the fine print. She said, sometimes the power to fly doesn't include the power to land. That uh, costs extra. And so in her relationship, um, she feels, uh, you know, it's exhilarating, it's exciting, but it's also a little scary. But that's kind of how love feels. And so she, uh, she comes to term with that, and you, and you follow along with her as she does. Mm. And, and so, you know, I also enjoy the beginning where she talks about the vulnerability is, is how books are an escape and how she, you know, as a teenager wanted to be like, you know, the, the cool kid and new, you know, geek out on all the literature and everything. And her favorite book was The Sun Also Rises, including the movie. And The Sun Also Rises, it's interesting how she, you know, figured out this is more about getting to know who you are more than drinking wine <laughs> and traveling Spain. But it is that, you know, self-discovery part, but how it was an escape for her, you know, but it's interesting because it, it kind of, the book is just even where I'm at, kind of going full circle in that, I think, it, with um, where she was as a teenager to a grown woman about to embark on another part of her life. Yes. Well, the book, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway, I mean, it's a classic, and she she started reading it when she was in middle school and um, her parents, uh, they go through a nasty divorce. And so it's tough for her. Um, and she uses the book sort of as an escape and she imagines escaping to Spain, um, even though she, she doesn't uh, until later, but it's sort of, a, um, it's, it's a, it, the book gives her strength. And then she literally does kind of escape to Spain um, in, in my book. The, the, the basic premise for her is that she's, um, she's got six months between jobs and a hefty severance check. So she's not rich, cool. but she's, she's comfortable. And she, as you mentioned, she literally gets a call uh, on her cell phone in the middle of Manhattan from Ernest Hemingway, uh, the author <laughs> of her very favorite book. And so he convinces her basically to go to Spain and uh, kind of becomes her life coach for six months. And so she learns about love and life and herself. Uh, and she also learns how to run with the bulls in Pamplona. So, <laughs> and you'll get to now, run along with her. Now, wait, I heard that you've done that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, that was uh, maybe ill-advised, but that was um, a number of years ago. 
uh, and Pamplona is up in northern Spain, and they have this most marvelous festival for about 10 days in early July. And it's actually a very family-friendly event where there's food and music, uh, except, you know, around 8 o'clock in the morning every day, they run a bunch of bulls to the streets. So, um, <laughs> But it's, but you can um, you don't have to run with the bulls. Um, they set up all these fences, and you can watch safely on the other side of the fence. But um, what you do during the festival, you, you first of all everybody wears these uh, white outfits, and you tie a red sash around your waist as a belt, and you have a red handkerchief. And then uh, every morning they they set up the the barriers, and they get the, uh, their six bulls and six steer that they run through the streets, and you can spread out on the cobblestone, and they were they fire off these uh, bottle rockets, basically, which signifies oh, that the bulls are going to run. And you don't really see them until they're right there. And you, you know the bulls are big, but the real surprise is how fast they are mm-hmm. and how close they get to you. That was, that was something I probably should have thought through a little bit better before I actually did it. Well, yeah. you know, we have a pasture with cows behind us in where we're staying right now. And the other day, the cows and their calves got together and they're racing across the field. I was like, man, what's going on? They chased the cat and the cat ran. <laughs> I was like, no, that's funny. I was like, and then you see them dip their heads down. The one with the horns, there's two with horns. Yeah, the bull. And it's how he's dipping his head down. I'm like, man, cat, you better run because he's coming at you. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually the bulls, when they're running through the streets, they just kind of want to get to the end at the uh, at the uh, stadium. But the, the locals, often they're at the beginning of the run, and they like to run just ahead of the bulls and wave a rolled-up newspaper uh, oh, in God. the faces of the bulls, which doesn't oh, seem like a good idea to me. I know. No. <laughs> and then they kind of run past them, and then they get, they get to you know the tourists and the, and the people who don't do this normally, and you just – again, have to try to remember that they're not looking for you. Um, and uh, you, uh, the, the run-up to the, to the stadium, it's, a, it's a, the Calle Estafeta, um, and it's a long, long uphill run. And if you stand on there, you, you can't see the bulls coming, but you can see the people watching for the bulls, and you know the bulls are getting there because people start Uh-oh. jumping up to see over the heads of everybody else. So it's almost like popcorn popping as the bulls come oh running gosh. up and then they just go whooshing past you. And it just, it just sucks That's all the fun. air out wow. of the street. And, and at that place, actually, you have a lot of um, four-story and five-story buildings that run into each other. So there's no place you can really get away. And you have all these hundreds of people out on the balconies cheering and drinking wine. And um, it's, it's fun. marvelously fun, but a little crazy. Yeah. It sounds you, crazy. You know, it did. I got chased by a bull yeah, when did. we that lived in funny. Kenya when I was a little kid. <laughs> I totally got chased by a bull. Yeah. And then, I, again, in southern Arizona, there was like, yeah. I don't know, but wherever we go, I'm actually known for it. For every time mm-hmm. we go hiking or something, yeah, I find the cows and the bulls. For some reason, there they are. It's mm-hmm. a very odd thing. But Nancy finds the squirrels. Our friend Rondi, we go hiking with, always finds bobcats. Something to do with bobcat, yeah. and I find the bulls. So I don't know yeah. if I'm a bull. I don't. I don't want to say it. <laughs> but you're, you're a, a bull magnet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. That's well. Mm-hmm. I don't want a bunch of bull in my life, but you know, sometimes you do. Let's take a moment and think about the things you love. It could be stuff like vintage vinyl. 
stylish sunglasses, or your exotic fish collection. Whatever your passion is, the new Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery gives you a chance to multiply your cash by 5, 10, 25, or even 100 times and enjoy a lot more of the stuff that makes you, you. Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery. If you love it, multiply it. Please play responsibly. <laughs> Well, I have good news go for ahead. you then, cause, because fortunately, I have good news for you, because you don't have to run with the bulls if you go to Pamplona. They also have spectacular food and wine, and um, in, in early July, um, they open up the cafes, so the windows are wide open, and the doors are wide open, and um, they have the most marvelous smelling uh, food, and the, the ham, and the cheese, and um, and it's and the weather is uh, perfect. It's, it's hot. It's this beautiful Spanish hot. So you can sit there and eat your tapas and wash it down with ice cold beer. And um, you, you can do that rather than running with the bulls. You don't have to run with them. Well, running, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone <laughs> wants to see me run. But I am very interested in um, micro theater. This is something completely new to me. Um, that this is something that happens in Spain. Can you tell people about it? Because I'm sure others don't know, like I had no idea this existed. Um, yes. In, in the book, the characters experience all kinds of different um, things involving art or theater in Spain. And one of the things that actually started in Spain is called microtheater. And it's spread across a lot of Latin America, both in Europe and, and South America. And also I think there's one in Miami. Uh, but microtheater is basically 15-minute plays for 15 audience members at a time in a small, wow. like 15 by 15 uh, square meter theater. And so you could go to like four or five of these in a night. The facility will have all these small theaters set up and you can just kind of go from show to show and you pay a wow. few dollars for each one. I know it's fantastic. And so cool. um, the, the characters in my uh, book, they go to see several um, micro plays at the micro theater and it's great, great fun. Wow. Mm. Awesome. Now, you know, and I love the whole thing that this is a setting of Spain. It just, I think it brings this, sun, I, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the heat and the, you know, the warmth, the summer warmth, and I feel like it's just a warm book, and I feel like with the season coming up, this is going to be like the perfect beach read if we're allowed to go to the beach or, you know, sit outside in your yard with it and read and enjoy it. <laughs> but I think that it's really cool when you get to explore a country this way and go from a perspective of, you know, like Callie, because she's interesting, you know, she's, she's kind of fearless, but she's got her, you know, um, inhibitions too, but she's kind of like, she's, she's like, what the heck, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. So it's, it's interesting reading her perspective, but I also feel like this could be a fantastic book for book clubs. Is that something you're looking at doing once the book is released on July 7th? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think it's uh, perfect for book clubs because there's so much you can dig into and you don't just, um, uh, you know, read about the characters doing things, but you try, I try to give the feeling of Spain, if you will, because I mean, Spanish culture is just mm -hmm. a warm, exciting culture. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a phrase in there that I use in the book. That's a Spanish phrase. It's called El Duende, which doesn't really translate exactly into English, but it's something along the lines of, you know, El Duende is kind of in the soul, it's passionate, it's the heat mm -hmm. uh, and the fire of art and creating. Um, and one of the characters talks about flamenco dancing and how it, it's rich 
in mm. El Duende. So they go to a flamenco dancing club and experience that and the energy and the power. And it's um, so hopefully the book doesn't just convey places, but also just the, the spirit of space and the excitement of yeah. space. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. it does. I, I want to know why your you, your main character is a woman. You know, I'm always interested. Well, it seems to me women pick males as their main characters a lot of times. And men always pick women. It's it's odd. Um, I don't. It just kind of fit together really well, and and she just seemed to be an exciting person. And I, I you know, when you when you write a book, sometimes you you know where the end point's going to be, but you don't know all the pieces along the way. It's sort of like. Um, it's sort of like starting a jigsaw puzzle and Mm -hmm. maybe you do the, the frame of, it might be a rectangle. Um, and then you get into it and say, well, I'm going to add this or that. And so all the, you know, maybe you add on a little annex to the side. So it's like the shape of Utah or whatever. Um, so you're never quite sure exactly what it's going to look like as you fill in all the pieces. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but the concept of Callie just seemed to be interesting. And, um, you know, again, the idea that she's, successful even though she's between jobs she she knows that she has a fantastic job in six months um and it i also thought it was just kind of an interesting thought experiment and it's something your uh, you know your listeners can think through too it's like just imagine if you had six months between jobs and you had enough money yeah and let's just say you didn't have any family limitations you know what what would you do um so now for your audience members, don't just yell it out because this is radio. We can't hear you, but, but still you can go ahead. Yell it. Come on. <laughs> but it's a, kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a, uh, it's a little bit of escapism. You know, if you had that freedom, what would you do? And so she, she goes to Spain and, and, uh, uh, of course, she has, you know, a, a Nobel Prize laureate, Pulitzer Prize winning author who's coaching her along the way. You know, that doesn't happen for everybody. But still, um, it's kind of interesting just to how that all kind of comes together. And, and we watch her just kind of pick her way through through those six months and, and learn about learn about herself. Now, did you have any women in your life read this and go, that's not what Callie would do or kind of help you along with the female perspective? Um. I I wouldn't say that I necessarily <laughs> had coaching. I mean, you know, I, I did work with an editor, and so she gave me advice here and there and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic if you're, you know, a man writing a women's fiction novel. But I'm not – you know, some, some writers like to tell people things, and, and I think in, in my book – um, it's not really that way, but I I pose questions and people can decide what they think about things for themselves. So um, mm-hmm. I kind of step back from that and just try to just try to tell a tell a good story with with good characters. Um, now it's yeah. interesting because she meets a number of characters along the way, and she um, there's a guy from Spain and a guy from France and a guy from the United States, and so um, there's a, also a woman from Canada, and they they kind of weave in and out of the story and and kind of help. Um, challenge her in different ways, and she challenges them. So you have this interesting mix of characters as she as she travels through Spain. She starts in Barcelona, um, goes to Madrid, goes to Pamplona, and then back to Madrid. So you get to kind of travel, and there's some other day trips along the way. And so each each location kind of plays a role and and kind of helps influence her a little bit as she's on her journey. Cool. You know, it kind of reminds me of you know when when I don't know if it happens now, but when you know we graduated high school. Um, and this is way back when, <laughs> back in, in South Africa when I graduated. Ages. And 
um, back then it would be, um, especially, well, and guys would try to do it too. Otherwise they had to go to mandatory army for two years. But there mm-hmm. was always this thing of before you go to college, go backpack around Europe. And yeah, and I know, you know, people that have done that from this country too and in England and it's kind of that thing. I don't know if it's being done anymore, but all kinds, you know, I'd, I've always been traveling anyway, so that didn't happen with me. I went to work with Nancy on the magazine, but it, this, everyone that came back, they got up to mischief, but they also yep. grew. And you know, I, but I've been traveling since a you know very young age, all over. And to me, that travel is always about that. It's about the journey. It is about the people you meet. It is about mm-hmm. discovering your strengths, your weaknesses, and trying to boost your weaknesses into strengths and handling situations. So I think there's something really appealing about the travel part, but it it is kind of like that college escape where you discover of yourself some more. So did 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 you do any of that when when you get well before college or after college when you said, "Hey, I'm I'm going out backpacking for a couple of years or a year?" Um I I did that. Uh, I did a backpacking trip after college and uh, I also did one after law school and it was a fantastic experience exploring and and sometimes things went right and sometimes they went wrong. I I remember mm-hmm. one time uh, I I uh, got on the train going to the wrong country and I had the wrong oh. train ticket and I didn't have any local <laughs> currency. Um, now, Lisa, Nancy, do you guys speak Czech? No. Do you, I don't know if you speak no. any Czech because I I I, I no. didn't either, and I think that's kind of where the problem started. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but you know you you figure those things out you know as a detail so you. <laughs> Yeah. But um, it, it, it is a it is it is a great way to explore, and I, I don't I assume people maybe not this summer, but people still do that. And I had it that kind of um, started for me. It started a love for travel, um, and mm-hmm. it's kept with Too me much. all my life. So whether uh, working or not working, just seeing different parts of the world. Um, you had a wonderful uh, musician from Bangalore on several weeks ago, and um, I've been to Bangalore oh. some time a number of times, and it, it's sort of like Shankar. the Silicon Valley of. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, and, and that's sort of like the Silicon Valley of India. It's a spectacular city with uh, wonderful food and stuff. So it's, it's really inspired a, um, a love of travel. And so that led me to travel to Spain a number of times. And, and hopefully that helped influence my writing to help bring it to life so that if you read the book, you feel like you're in Spain as well. Yeah, you, know, you really do capture that because you can tell when someone has an been to where they're writing about <laughs> you know what I mean it's the same thing as an artist uh, an artist painting and wildlife but they're um, painting They've from the zoo seen, and the lion is exactly. fat instead of you know yes. kind of it's wrong color you know what I mean There's, yeah yeah I'm sorry so it's very realistic it. and a very well, thank easy, you. It's, it's those... easy to read book very easy to read well thank you it's those little details that sometimes add the the texture um, to the mm-hmm. experience. So um, you, if when you read the chapter about the bulls in Pamplona, I'm not giving anything away, but um, you hopefully you feel like you're running with the bulls and have the same excitement. Um, that's that's <laughs> sure the idea. I will. You know, I do want to Lisa, touch let's on. Let's go run um, with the bulls across the pasture here tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'll film it. You run. Okay. <laughs> I'll film it. Good. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway. How did he become such a part of this? I mean, it's, 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 and how did the whole thing about Ernest Hemingway call her 
and say, you know, come to Spain. How did that, how did that idea come to fruition for you? <laughs> it was probably when I was having a, a bottle of wine one night. I don't know. It just kind of <laughs> popped, popped into my head. But I've, I've always loved um, his books, and particularly The Sun Also Rises. And, um, you know, there's sort of this concept of escape in it. But, um, you know, when the book takes place, um, you know, it was shortly after World War One, and Ernest Hemingway was go, was kind of escaping himself when he went to Spain and France and was writing the book. And so um, all the pieces just kind of fit together for me. And it just seemed like a perfect backdrop for a story where someone has six months to kind of sort of find mm. themselves, if you will. Mm. Um, so it came together wonderfully. But, uh, you know, one other way that, that people can, um, I try to make the book real for people is I, I like to cook. I'm not a very good cook, but I like to cook. And so <laughs> I've, I've been trying to cook my way through the book because there are a number of um, dishes that I describe that the characters eat. And so I've been trying to um, cook them and, and take pictures and post the uh, recipes on my social media. So um, uh, like uh, chorizo, fried chorizo and uh, fresh herbs or patatas bravas that you could make in your oven where you have the, the aioli, the garlic mayonnaise sauce, and then the brava sauce mm. that you could make at home. And brava sauce is sort of like uh, crushed tomatoes with like red wine vinegar and paprika, sort of like uh, ketchup wow. on steroids. Um, and mm. the other thing I'm just about to post is there's this marvelous uh, black olive and rosemary crumble that you could make that you could put on uh, lamb or chicken or eggplant if you're a vegetarian or pasta or whatever. So I've been posting those and, and that's directly in uh, from the book. So I'm just kind of working my way through that so people can have fun with that as well. And, and actually they can eat their way through the book too. Well, if it's got black like olives, that. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm in. <laughs> well, now have, have you, have you made paella like the big, that big dish full of paella? before? Um, I I need to try that. That one is kind of a heavy lift. Um, paella plays a, a big role actually in the in the story because the characters make it. Um, it. Although I do have a good paella story. My um, you know paella you make it in this special low pan. It's basically this marvelous rice dish when you can put uh, vegetables and protein on it and. Um, uh, many years ago, I actually lived and worked in Germany for several years. And uh, hmm. several blocks from our apartment, they had this marvelous Spanish restaurant where you could get carry-out paella. And so they would give it to you in this pan, and the pan's not cheap, and you would carry it home, and you would eat it at home. Oh. And then they had this honor system <laughs> where you would, you would wash out the pan and hang on to it. And then the next time that you would call them up for carry-out paella, you'd bring back the empty clean pan, and you'd swap it out for this um, fresh pan oh, wow. of piping paella that you'd walk cool. home. And it was really cool. And you just hang onto the pan and they trusted you. And actually it was, it was a little bit sad because uh, two nights before we, we left Germany, I had to go back and show up unannounced with this empty clean pan and say, I was just dropping off that night. And so it was kind of a, kind of a farewell because mm. I wasn't able to pick up any more paella, but Oh, um, it was summer. Yeah, so I have <laughs> wonderful memories of paella, and so I weave that into the the book as well because the characters cook some paella, and, and it's kind of it's kind of fun. It's a fun chapter. You know, um, because of the you know it being in Spain and the food and the wine and everything and just the temperature, you know, um, it kind of takes us back to last year. We spent some time in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We've done a lot in southern Arizona. In fact, 
some of the parks we've covered actually talk about the the whole history of food and how this, when the Spanish came up, you know, and the royal roads and everything came up through America to claim it as, you know, New Spain, it's really interesting to hear how the food changed, you know, how a tortilla is and a taco and everything, how they changed because it kind of blended what the Native American culture and the Mexican culture and then and bring Spain coming in and saying, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to bring these spices. So it's kind of this interesting thing for me. And I was wondering, you know, I know you love food and wine too and travel. Have you traveled out in the Southwest here at all and experienced some of those changes in food that come from the Spanish? Um, I, I have some. I mean, I've been through New Mexico and Arizona, and I love driving through uh, Colorado. Um, mm. It's it's kind of interesting where you, you you do kind of get this interesting blend of of Mexico and um, mm-hmm. the Spanish influence from from uh, where they were out there as well. And um, and I have family down in Texas, and so you you, you kind of have this interesting combination. I mean, for example, there were. Um, not a lot of people know that there were a lot of German settlers in uh, Texas, um, mm. you know, 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so they were the ones that I think kind of, um, uh, they, they didn't have corn tortillas, they had flour tortillas. And that was something they were big into. So that was kind of their influence and started a lot of breweries. And so you have all this, this interesting combination of cultures. That's kind of one thing that's kind of neat about that part of the country because they all kind of collide together to create um, magnificent food. It's true. The food, I think this food, mm. the food thing really, you know, breaking bread, you know, and having conversation is really great, you know, for a dinner table or picnic bench, wherever. But there's something about how the history of food and how cultures have united over food and created new food. You know, I just, I, I geek out on it. It's, it's really cool. And, and yeah, Texas, you know, that's how we listen to the local radio stations and you can totally tell and look how the music's changed. We've got Norteno music, you know, that umpa umpa, you know, and the like umpa umpa bands of Texas. <laughs> I know. It's wow. very South African and a lot there's a huge South African community in Texas too. Yes, there um, is. It's, which is it's kinda the whole thing is interesting to me about how we move and, you know, travel around and, you know, we garner these ingredients and these recipes and these just new ways of life mm-hmm. and, and share them, you know, it's it's exciting. Did you live in Spain at all? Because I know you've lived all different places. Was is that a place that you lived, or just tend to go back a lot? Um, I didn't live in Spain, um, but I did travel uh, extensively there and all around Europe and to all, all kinds of different countries. I just hmm. um, Spanish culture is just one of the cultures I really enjoyed, and so it just kind of fit together with the book and everything. Um, and you also have these different subcultures in, in a country as small as Spain, too. I mean, you've got mm. the, the Catal- Catalonia around Barcelona is different. You know, Barcelona has traditionally been more of a European city, whereas Madrid traditionally has been more, like, stereotypically Spanish. You know, and then you go up to the north um, uh, where, you know, near Pamplona, where, you know, the Basque country, where the cuisine changes and it becomes mm. – um, complex, but also kind of like robust and, and bolder, and so you can see the different the differences in the different regions, even in a country like uh, as, as small as Spain. Um, I, and I, I personally, I love uh, reading cookbooks. And there's there's a chapter in my book where the characters are talking about if they could write a book, what kind of book would they write? And one of the characters says that they would write a cookbook. 
um, mm. because, uh, you know, when you're cooking for someone, you're, you're literally giving them life and you can love them through food and you can tell a story through the recipes in the cookbook. So um, I, I, I love reading through uh, different cookbooks from different regions with different cuisines. I think it's, I think it's great fun. It is. It's cool. I, um, I want to ask you this now. So if you're going to have a dinner party, okay, who would you invite? You can invite someone from your book. But who else would you invite? Would you invite Hemingway and serve him food? You'd have to give him a lot of cocktails. Rum. <laughs> you've got to bring rum. You've got to have what, rum. And you're going to, you're going to, I know this is, a, who would come to your dinner party? Like you're going to throw a dinner party. Anyone can, you know, the live or pass on thing is what we always talk about because who knows once we pass on, maybe we do, maybe we do go and our dreams are real. Who knows, right? There's that little magic side I know you enjoy. So if you're going to hold a dinner party, where are you going to hold it? Who are you inviting and what are you serving? And we need to know if it's wine or cocktails or both. <laughs> well, the, the answer is yes. It would, be, it would definitely be both. And um, I think Ernest Hemingway would be a fantastic guest. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like figures from history, like someone like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or Thomas Jefferson would be fantastic uh, dinner guests. And, uh, oh boy, uh, Boy, you you know maybe maybe some type of a musician too because that would be pretty entertaining. I don't know, but maybe somebody like Mozart would be fantastic because then you'd have entertainment. So um, oh, yeah. that would be that would be kind cool. of an interesting group. I, I assume that they would blend pretty well, something like that. And then but with Hemingway and and plenty of cocktails and plenty of wine. Um, boy, I'd have, I want to have multiple courses. Uh, but I, I don't know if it would be a good idea if I did the cooking. I might have somebody else do the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> See, now, now, okay, but is Callie gonna, a child? You're not going to yeah, – what about Callie? Does she get to come? Callie would be a great guest, Well, if she, especially if she were there with Hemingway. Um, yeah. in, in the book, she, she's a lot of fun, and she's a great conversationalist. Um, so she would, be, she would be definitely very entertaining, um, no, no doubt. No doubt. Who would you invite to your dinner? Hmm. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you now, could never that would ask be an questions. interesting mix. And just yeah, didn't that would be would be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be, that would be cool. That would be cool. I think I would have to invite Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin with Bob Dylan. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah. And then they'd have to have a jam session. So I would, yeah, those three, I'd have to invite. But then, you know, no, I can't because then I start tripping <laughs> out and going down. I would have a, this would have to be a big party and somebody else would have to cater it because otherwise <laughs> everyone's just getting pizza and wine, homemade pizza. I can Nothing do that. wrong with um, that. Yeah, I think, and Anthony Bourdain has to be oh, there. Yeah. There you go. Or you could bring Paul McCartney. Iggy Pop. He could... Paul McCartney. Oh, it, well, now, if you invited Iggy Pop, now that would be an interesting dinner party. That would be a fun Hell thing. yes. <laughs> could you imagine Iggy <laughs> Pop and Jimi Hendrix and Janice popping? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's Tell right. him to leave his shirt on. Yeah. No, he doesn't. No. He won't. No, he, he's no? free, man. He's, he wants he to be just, free. He, he he doesn't like shirts, apparently. <laughs> no, but he loves chairs. So his thing now, 
he keeps buying chairs and he sits in a chair, a different chair every single day outside. He has all these, this chair collection. That's so weird. like really? I'd ask him to bring the chairs for the dinner tape, din- the dinner party for the guests. <laughs> <He has> the- <laughs> I so, know. so punk from punk rock icon to chair collector. I like that. I like that. That's There's a book so in there weird. Yeah. Well, look at Bob Dylan, man. Idea. He's an iron worker. He he does all the iron work on you know hmm. these big gates and everything. He's really, I I, I think that there's um, talent. <laughs> there's always multiple talents that people have, and I oh, think it's yeah, great when sure. like you know look at uh, you know Grace Slick as an artist. You know Joni Mitchell mm-hmm. is an artist. You know, and I find this interesting too, which brings me to my next thing. Uh, can having this world of law is your career and going into writing. I find this very fascinating that just about every lawyer I know wants to write, and Hemingway happens to be at the top. Even Ward Heinrichs is on our show. He's our employment attorney that comes on all the time, and he wants that. His second thing, he says, I want to be a writer, and and Mm -hmm. Hemingway's his idol for that. So I find this interesting. It's respect for the the written word. I mean, law is all about the written word. And the devil in the details. uh, it is, although it's it's a very different type of writing. When you're writing mm-hmm. a, a legal brief or something like that or a contract, yeah. you have to be very precise and meticulous. Yep. Um, yeah. And so if you're trying to write a novel, you really have to switch gears. So it's yeah. I mean, you're trying to be descriptive, and the, the cadence is different than the very precise um, clarity that you have to use when trying to write as a lawyer. So that actually was a real challenge to try to shift gears and put myself in a different frame of mind, although it was a, a fascinating exercise. Um, but, uh, it, but it's also interesting when you're writing a novel. Um, it, it, well, if you're writing as a lawyer, if you have a brief, there's a deadline and there's a due date. But if you're writing a novel, sometimes you don't have a deadline. You just keep writing and writing and improving and improving. And eventually you have to figure out, okay, how do I – how do I finish this? How do I get this to completion? Um, so it's a challenge, but I, I had great fun, great fun writing the book. And um, uh, it was, it was a journey. The, the best thing, uh, the last thing I'll say on that is um, if you are going to write a book, um, tell people you're going to write a book because they will ask you about it, which is wonderful. And it always encourages you to keep going because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're like, aren't you done with that book yet? <laughs> like Almost. So it, um, I even put, some of that in my acknowledgement that I really appreciate all the people that asked about my book because it kind of kept me going to, to finish it off and, and get it done. Cool. That's hard because Nancy, you always say that with art, like Nancy's mm-hmm. a wildlife artist primarily, but there's always the time to stop painting. Otherwise you're going to ruin the creation. Mm-hmm. Overpainting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. But, but um, you know, just the, the journey and doing that is, is fun in and of itself just to just to mm-hmm. expand your mind and, and challenge yourself and bring that out. And so whether you're, whether you're painting, I'm not good at art, um, but with the writing, it's, it's, you know, it just, it just uh, expands you and pulls you in places that you didn't expect to go. And, um, and hopefully the people that see your art or read your art or listen to your art um, feel the same way. Mm. Are you going to do more? Um, yes, I'm definitely going to write another book. I mean, right cool. now I'm just focusing on, on getting this one out. So um, I'm going to see how it goes. Maybe there will be a sequel. Um, no spoilers cool. there, but maybe there will be a, a sequel to Finding Hemingway. Um, 
and uh, but I've got some other ideas. And the movie. So I'm gonna. And the movie, <laughs> yes. Well, let's let's have a movie or or a, or a series. It, it lends itself to both. I think it, it would be fun. So you can you can binge watch Finding Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, but this cool. but this is it. You know, we were talking about the dinner party, right? Where was that Italian restaurant we used to go to in Encinitas, California? Nancy, um, Gino's, I think. Oh. Um, and he would have this movie night, and he'd watch. Is it? It yeah. was called the Big Dinner or the Big Night or something. Yeah. And he would serve food that went with the movie, and he'd watch the movie and eat. Yeah. That see, that's so what cool. I see happening with yours. Yeah. Start with the wine tasting, into the dinner while you're watching the movie. Oh, And everybody awesome. takes the book home, you know, or reads the book first. It's I don't know. There's like a thing with this. And there's music. There's. Are you going to put a playlist together? A music like a. I want my mixtape <laughs> that goes with it. Well, I could. De- I could definitely do a playlist with Spanish music, and then I could. I could build the uh, the menu around Spanish food. So I mentioned the. So we could start with the fried chorizo, and then the goat cheese tarts. Um, mm. Maybe some asparagus Ooh. wrapped in serrano ham, serrano ham, and then uh, uh, maybe move to some uh, scallops soaking in sherry ginger vinaigrette or something like that. So wow. um, yeah, we, could, we, could, we could piece together. <laughs> there you go. So I, I'm kind of getting hungry, actually. I didn't think this interview, this interview was making me hungry. <laughs> I know. It's like, okay, this is this is tasting good. This, have you been to the Hamon Museum? In, in, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. In Madrid? <clears throat> um, I haven't museum? been to that there's one. Like, there's a place but, with all these big oh, things of ham hanging down. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> No, I haven't. I haven't been to that one, but many of the cafes will will just have like rows and rows of cured ham hanging there, which just smells okay. fantastic. And it's it's kind of it's like its own own work of art. But um, I might wow. have the yeah, wrong name it. on it. Yeah, I might have the yeah. wrong name because a lot of our travel writers have been to Spain, Madrid. Uh, I know Hillary. She's done uh, Catalonia. She fell in love with Catalonia. Like she's got a thing about it and the wine. That's her thing. And, um, you know, every time you see everything, the Basque region and everything, you're just like, man, the, you know, the Spanish are living good. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, they, it's a good life. Good quality. They, 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 have, life. A, they have a lust for life. Well, and the, and the wonderful, wonderful things about Spanish culture, I mean, often, you know, we'll do things that we're supposed to do and, you know, we'll, we'll try to eat right or exercise or whatever, uh, save money and all that stuff. But in Spanish, um, they have a wonderful ability to live in the moment and, and not in a, a mm. reckless way or anything, but just in a really fun way. And so that's part of the thing that I try to convey in the book is that, you know, to, to get into the Spanish culture and the enjoyment of going out to eat and enjoying art and music and dancing. And so when you read the book, sometimes you want to do things because you want to do them, not because you're supposed to. It's something you're passionate about. Uh, and sometimes you mm-hmm. just want to be a little Spanish. So, mm, And that's the thing with Kelly and, and her art, love, the love of art. You know, that's, I'd like to go to Spain just, yeah, just for that. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. The art. Well, that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Kelly. She, I mean, she enjoys practicing law very much. But her first love was art, and in fact, when she uh, graduated from college, she wanted to work in an art museum. She wanted to get an internship, like a really, a really good internship, the type of internship that you know, as I write in the book, that her, that'll get your parents' hopes up about you. And um, actually, she 
doesn't get one of those. She ends up interning for an intern at an art museum. So her mm. her job is to make coffee runs for someone who makes uh. coffee runs. <laughs> and no. it was sort of a dead end, but she, she no. stayed with it for six months. But but I joke she jokes in the book that um you know, like like many of us uh, after college, she wasn't necessarily making good life choices at the time, but but she she persevered and 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 still entertains a love for art while at the same time practicing law and and working on her career. So um, so that's actually working out for her just fine. Yeah, well, this she's a she's a strong character, and um, you just you really do connect with her immediately as you read. And I appreciate uh, finding Hemingway. I hope everyone enjoys it. Again, you can pre-order it uh, through Barnes and Noble and Amazon, or you can go to Ken's website, Ken Dortzbach, and that's D O R T Z B A C H. Ken Dortzbach, and he's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So you can follow him there and keep up with his cooking. <laughs> so that's that's awesome. I love what you're doing on that. I'm just waiting for the playlist now because then we could have the playlist that goes, you know, the song and the recipe all together. That's cool. That's the thing. Yeah. I we, love we that idea. Just, that's that's what I'm going to do next. I got to do. I I got to post something on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, fun. the music and the recipe. Yeah, we pair yeah. music with road trips, like certain areas. Mm-hmm. Like, stop. We got to change the music because this, you know, this part is Hendrix. <laughs> Iggy yeah. Pop goes to the beach in the mm-hmm. desert. Yeah. <laughs> he goes anywhere. He can, you know, we're just passengers. Ha, ha, ha. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Ken. It's been a true pleasure. Fun conversation. Fun read. Again, the book, July 7th, everyone. Go get it. And listen, enjoy the travels. And I'm I'm going to start following you on, on cooking so I can, you know, I can't cook, but I, I can sure enjoy watching people cook. And then just, I you didn't know, say a word. It. <laughs> I know. You're good. Well, thank you so much, uh, Lisa and Nancy, for having, uh, having me on your show. This is great, great fun. You take care. And when you do another book, you know where to call us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank cool. you so much. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.